Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any... Welcome to Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. I'm Brad Pahigian. And I'm Jeff Andres. Absurd, moronic, and downright ridiculous is brought to you by Lashes by Lauren. Ladies, if your eyelashes need some help, you're going to want to hear this. They're offering $50 off any full set and $25 off lash lifts. Guys, if you're not sure what to get your lady, a gift card is the perfect choice. Lashes by Lauren is in Riverside, Rhode Island. Give them a call to book at 413-404-7455 or check them out on Instagram at underscore lashes dot by dot Lauren underscore. All right, Jeff, a Louisiana priest and two dominatrices charged with vandalism after an altar threesome. So some of you may be familiar with this, possibly. This occurred back in September. However, these charges have been amended of sorts here. So they're now the the priest and the uh, two lovely ladies are now being charged with a count of institutional vandalism, which is still a felony. Uh, but apparently, they were performing sex acts on the altar of this church. Somebody saw them through the glass windows and doors. Called the police. <laughs> the police. By the way, Jeff, we when we were looking at this, we saw that there were some you know, older Louisiana laws here in play. But my, my favorite part of this, it talks about like the police that had recovered uh, sex toys and lighting and instruments and things like that. But the fact that this is even being prosecuted to me is insane because the original charge here was dismissed, which, you know, had to do with the, you know, lewd act of this particular situation. But now, the, the vandalism part is interesting because the diocese claims that they had to burn the altar and then it had to be replaced and blessed or, you know, and whatever. So it seems to me after reading through this that this basically is has to do with the fact that they had to replace the altar as this vandalism charge has to do with causing damage to uh, property over $500 and under $50,000. And so that's kind of where we're at. What did you make of this bizarre story? Uh, well, uh, I just had a lot of questions. So it doesn't really tell the timing of it. I'm assuming this happened at night with lights involved. So my first question is, well, <laughs> sorry. I guess my first question is, why was the pastor doing this in the church? Two, why is someone walking close enough to the church to see this? Like who, who at night just strolls like next to the walls of the church? Is that, is that a thing? Like how was someone able to spot them? Um, and then, you know, three and four is, <laughs> I don't know why they can't just buy a new altar. Like you don't pay taxes. You guys are like the biggest corporation <laughs> in the world. Like just buy a new goddamn altar, like maybe fire the guy or whatever you do. Um, He's just been removed from ministry duties. Well, that's because well, that's because like we talked about absurd rules. He's about to face two years of hard labor because I just found out that existed still in this country. So that's well, that's cool. Louisiana, Jeff. 
Uh, yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know it, he looks like he's looking at two years with or without hard labor, it says in this article. So I don't know what that means. But <laughs> I just thought that's like an old timey, like we're building the railroads. Like we're going to force people to like break rocks and lay tracks down. I didn't think like 2021, we were still doing that. So this is a very peculiar <laughs> story. Yeah. There's some great lines in this too. So the, I guess this is a spokesman. I don't know if this is a, a archbishop or what, what his actual title is, but the, the quotes are fantastic when this is, this talks about the priest behavior and it says, this is in quotes, his behavior was obscene. The desecration of this church in the altar is demonic, demonic. He was using that, which was holy to do demonic things. End quote. I just like how they had to, they had to actually burn the altar and put up yeah. a new one. <laughs> and that actually brought it up. It's a good quote. Like, like these, it seems like this whole thing is between three consulting adults and he's calling it demonic and like they're burning stuff. But like, through their whole like child pedophilia thing. Like you never heard demonic Correct. or none he of that. Like, so that's not the- demonic, but three th- having a threesome in a church is that's unholy, but touching it a, a four year old that that's, that's all right. We'll just so have that. Interesting that you mentioned that Jeff, because so this particular, this is the archdiocese of new Orleans, the same day that they removed this gentleman from his ministry duties, they had removed another uh, priest in the same diocese be- due to molestation of a juvenile. So you would think that they probably have other things, you know, to worry about right now. Nope. But no, the uh, the priest having the threesome, that is the most important thing to deal with. That's because they're all in on it. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting just a big old corporation that's a bunch of child molesters. But of we course. won't talk too much religion here. But yeah, like so that just proved my point. Even know that just like I never heard demonic. I never I never heard anything burned. You know, when those all those priests back in the day, but this guy has a threesome. Like, yeah, you shouldn't have it in a church, but like, they're all of age. What's the youngest person? Like, thirty-one. Something like, yeah. I, I feel like you don't go to a church to have a threesome with lights and toys, like non-consensually, like especially a church. I just keep, like the thing that's crazy to me, right? Is it so? The police came, and I don't understand why this wasn't diffused when he, just, you know, he's the priest, right? It says, as I mentioned earlier, it says police confiscated plastic sex toys, stage lights, and two recording devices from within the church as evidence, and booked all three with obscenity. Among the charges, definitions of Louisiana law are having sex in any place open to the public view. So all of this evidence that was collected and how they were originally pursuing this, which is insane to me, was just the fact that this is some ridiculous law in Louisiana about sex in public view, although somebody was peeping on private property, essentially, that even saw this. So the fact that like this actually even went this far is insane. I suppose like in a strange way, the new charges make a little more sense. I mean, that's assuming that they absolutely had to burn the altar and replace it. But, you know, like, I guess it's good that these other charges were dropped, but like, it just makes the other part of it a little ridiculous. And to me, that's more of a civil matter, right? Yeah. Like, I wonder if that person must've been gotten trespassing or looking through the window. Well, that's the, it's very comp. Like this whole thing is insane to me. And I just, the imagery though, I, I will say of the article is, rather spectacular here where it says, you know, 
there were two women in corsets and high heels performing sex acts on a half naked priest as they recorded it with a phone and tripod mounted camera. Imagine the cops walking in on that though. Oh, they must have went up for a drink after. My question is like, I'm, so I'm not an expert on, on church architecture or anything, but I have never seen a church in, in my area where I can just walk alongside of it and there's a window low enough for me to look at. Usually they're stained glass. Like, what is I this get, in like? You're, and is this, so a there, is a, there is a photo in this article. This is on NOLA.com if anybody's interested. And so there are, there's a, a few photos here. There's the outside, the inside, and then there's some mug <laughs> mug shots are fantastic. The mug shots are great. I saw the mug shots. Absolutely that. fantastic, by the way. Um, the, but yeah, like the inside doesn't look unlike any other, you know, smaller Catholic church that you see anywhere around here. And then we look on the outside, and again, there. I, I to me, Jeff, it looks like there's just some glass doors okay, now that. That may, you know, may be visible, but if you're that far back, you're somebody was clear. Yeah, like that's (laughs) that's not that doesn't look like the outside. It's very peculiar. This whole thing is insane. I mean, if the church should really just be asking like the guy to pay for the you know replacement costs of the altar and and whatever way they they figure those things out, this really to me should not be a police matter or anything for the district attorney to be dealing with. No, I wonder if this reverend said something because in his mugshot, he looks hammer drunk. He looks lit up. He looks Johnny Damon drunk in this in this photo. So I'm wondering if he started getting lippy and they just threw the book at him. I, I guess because the other two are smiling like they're like, yeah, this is this isn't our first time getting caught in a church. But this guy looks like he's ready to fight someone. So. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out where this situation goes, but it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. This All right. Let's uh, let's go a little east over to Florida, our favorite state. A Florida woman was arrested for DUI at a McDonald's drive through. And the police found eight miniature bottles of vodka stuffed in her bra. The amount of people that are arrested for DUI at drive through windows is absolutely astonishing to me, by the way. This just seems to be happening all the time. Uh, This was it looks like shortly before 8 p.m. It says that the woman was driving all over the drive-thru. I'm not really sure what that entails exactly. I don't know if she was, you know, banging into the the side of the building or or whatever. Um, but police were called. She was a mess in so many ways here, it seems like. And she was actually eating in her car when when uh, law enforcement arrived. They stated that she was slurring her words, sweating, crying swaying side to side and then they got her to the jail they found that she had eight nips of uh, deep eddy vodka stuffed in her her bra one of which i guess had been empty but the thing is obviously this woman wasn't drunk off of one minute you know of these nip bottles uh so clearly she had you know had quite a bit prior to this and was you know continuing the party in the mcdonald's parking lot when the police arrived here (laughs) i just there's just so many things here, none of which surprised me, uh, both that were at a Florida McDonald's and DUI involved. And it's just pretty much par for the course is what it seems like. What did you think of our friend here? Uh, I didn't mention her name, by the way. It is. Oh, it's Brandy with an I, of Brandy. course. Brandy Stanley. Brandy. 
<laughs> of course. Uh, so again, like I think I say every week, just thank you for the state of Florida for keeping this podcast going or the South really for that matter, but especially Florida, you really carry the weight. Um, so this was, like you said, it's weird. Like even around here, you see like, you're like, oh, that guy's driving his car a little weird. And they take a really wide turn. Like they're driving a truck during the you know, <laughs> late night after yeah. they, after they order, they take that wide left turn. You're like, yeah, you're hammer drunk. But the best part about this well, that I thought is that she was quoted in saying the officer, just take me home. Let's forget about this. She's just <laughs> like, oh, my bad. You caught me. Just bring, can you just bring me home, though? Like, let's forget about all, all this happened. Like, you're idling, just just smashing food right now. And it says, like, they, they could smell the alcohol from outside the car, which means, you know, she's been drinking and a lot for your body to, to start sweating out alcohol. Like, those, like you said, those eight nips were probably like, they asked after the 14 beer appetizers when the officer arrived one of the first things he asked was you know do you need medical attention so i can't imagine (laughs) she was in good shape at at that point she was just trying to so you know probably just trying to mow on some nuggets and get get sobered up but she just couldn't make it through that drive there jeff just couldn't just i'm surprised she even paid because i mean it doesn't bring doesn't mention it but i can only assume it didn't it like she got it her looks food. Like she got noticed. That's the funny. Like she it made, looks like she, she got noticed. Made it through. Like <laughs> yeah, because it looks like she got noticed swerving. Before, like you know, maybe while she was getting there and in the drive-through. So she had the the wherewithal to pay. She's all over but the like, place too. Like at one point, she said she wasn't driving, and then as you mentioned, then she said, "I'm so stupid, I should know better." Um, and then it, apparently, it took mul- it took several deputies to remove her from the police cruiser at the jail. And that's when they had located the uh, vodka, apparently. But she just started. She was continuing yelling and screaming at the when she arrived at the jail. I wasn't driving. The old, the old go sit in the passenger seat and say your friend yeah, took off running. It's such like a roller coaster here <laughs> with this woman. Oh, uh, poor lady. And like, oh, you were just so close. Like you could have just parked and figured it out. But yeah, you just couldn't make it through that drive-through. I feel bad for those poor workers because they're probably sitting there like. I mean, in Florida, they must be making $7 an hour. I think the minimum wage there is like seven twenty-five. So they're making like $7 an hour. And this lady's just idled. Like she just, so literally she just reached her hand through the window, grabbed the food, and then she didn't move again is what it sounds like. So like, they're probably so pissed. Like, like lady, can you move? Like, oh, oh. thank you, Florida. Fantastic. Thank you, Florida. She's probably like the mayor's assistant too. She's probably some high level. Mm, I don't know, Jeff. Well, it's Florida, you know. As long as you well, got where his most teeth is uh, in government officials, it's a fact. I wonder what Brandy does for work. <laughs> probably a school bus driver, actually. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Here's a fun story for us, and you know how I love to shame these celebrity pastors, and you know Joel Osteen is just one of the few people that's just. I despise more than anyone. So there's a, an Instagram account. It is called Preachers and Sneakers. And basically this, it shames these pastors of to the stars for their pricey clothes and shoes. And this is absolutely fantastic. This guy's name is Ben Kirby. And this uh, Instagram account has, has more than 210,000 followers. 
And basically these are all celebrity, uh, they're pastors, but they're, they all have involvement with various celebrities. And so it just shows the opulence here with these designer clothing and shoes that these pastors who, you know, you would think would be modest human beings. And as men of the cloth, you know, that you wouldn't see them in, you know, designer items like this, Jeff. So we're going to go through a few of these and it just, I, I can't stay like, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I just, these, these are the worst humans on the planet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for what they do, I mean, they're kind of funny. Like I remember watching like Sunday mornings at my grandmother's house of like that one guy that used to like body oh, slam sem- people out of wheelchairs. Oh my God. Those are hilarious. Yep. You used to give them like the tombstone and like their neck would be fixed. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you a choke slam now. People look like they're having like seizures and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then they like, I don't remember that guy's name. He's like, you're healed. You like you like palm their face and like the guy just uh, that guy was funny but yeah they they are they're subhuman. So sure. our our first pastor who actually is this this is Pastor John Gray Jeff he's an associate pastor at Joel Osteen's famed Lakewood Church in Houston. So there's a photo here of him sporting a Supreme Louis Vuitton jacket. But I will say this of all the it's items, fresh. this one's pretty friggin' lit. Like yeah, it is. big fan. <laughs> However, this sells for $9,625. So this guy's rolling around in a jacket. That's probably worth more than some people's cars. Um, he also, I guess he is him and himself. He has over a million Instagram followers. He's authored two books and was a star of his own reality TV show on Oprah Winfrey's network called the book of John Gray. I just, first of all, Jeff, just to describe this to people, right? This is like a, like a down coat with like a fur lined hood. What do you need that for in Houston or in South Carolina, where he's also the lead pastor? It's a good question. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the devil throws ice balls at you to, to try to trick you to go to hell or something. I don't know, but <laughs> of all the ridiculous, would keep you warm. Right. But sure. like, this is a large man. I don't think he needs a coat like that, but that's just me. I don't know. No, because it looks like he's wearing like in this picture. At least there's like something underneath it too. Like it doesn't look like it's zipped. It looks like a leather underneath. Like look at between. I don't know what's going on. Where, there. where, is, where is he going? <laughs> where, and like you said, like he's in Houston. Like that's the worst thing when you see someone who lives in a climate like that wearing that jacket. Like you know they're just so rich that they just buy whatever. Like oh yeah, this is nothing to him. I don't like care you're... if it's I don't care if it's 75 degrees out. I'm wearing my Louis Vuitton Supreme fur coat. But it's like, yeah, I live in LA. I'm gonna buy a, a Gucci uh snowboarding outfit. Like Seriously. this is exactly what this is. Like what a clown. I mean, it looks nice. Don't get me wrong, that jacket is is fresh, but um like no human needs that. No. Our our next victim is uh Pastor <laughs> Stephen Chandler. This is the Destiny Church in Maryland. He's sporting some unique air jordans that retail for eighty one hundred dollars this of course is a non-denominational uh church they are very prolific on social media then they regularly post videos of their sermons and gospel performances by i like how it's gospel for performances because in this photo of these sneakers there's some sort of like role-playing boxing match going on (laughs) during the sermon there's like mock ropes and the pastor has boxing gloves and there's someone i guess with the sparring gloves the padded ones like i have no idea what's going on here but the caption it 
this is directly from their own Instagram trainer. He will train us to endure coach. He will coach us to victory healer. He will heal you beyond your past. Uh, what do we think of these shoes? Well, the shoes are nice. I don't know why in this picture fight night round three is going on in the background. And you think for someone that can afford shoes like that, they just make those ropes tight. They're, they're very, they're very loosey goosey with the ropes. Like yes. at least make me believe like you're Jesus and you're fighting off the devil. That's what I'm assuming is happening in this um, picture. And it's just like to put that on your Instagram, like no one's going to know. Like there's people out there that like maybe just happen to scroll by this and see it. It's just like, yeah, the shoes are nice, but like, how do you have so much money? I wonder they they don't get taxed either, right? Is it considered a church? So like, it's just I'm a, sure they all just use everything under the church so that they don't actually do. Any, I'm sure they don't even report an income. Why don't I do this? I know. I've I've thought about those. Like, I'll tell you we, whatever you want to hear. We could buy some airtime at 3 a.m. and get people to send us money. I bet. Yep. I've watched those before. They're fan. You ever watch those ones? Like. No, now it, now I, it's a little different because obviously, you know, these people now use social media as a tool. But like before, this was the, the thing that the paid programming that came on at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And they, you know, they tell you to call in or, or mail money somewhere and, you know, God will help you. God will help you. This other the next gentleman is this is also in Maryland. Uh, he's a doctor. By the way, I would, this guy probably is about as legitimate doctor as the doctor of divinity degree that I have. So Dr. <laughs> Mike Freeman, he's the founder and pastor at the Spirit of Faith Christian Center. This outfit is pretty fire, I will say. The nice. best thing, though, is that he posted this on his Instagram and then the caption. So I'm going to describe he has this Burberry bomber jacket with these matching Burberry print sneakers. The jacket is about $1,250 and the shoes are about 620, but this is the caption quit being concerned about fitting in when God has called you to stand out. You can't fit in and stand out at the same time as he's wearing like an $1,800 Burberry outfit. Jeez. <laughs> this is such a weird picture of him too. It looks like he's like unveiling the next iPhone. It, does. <laughs> it looks like he's like gentlemen. Welcome to the future. <laughs> like, this guy's a pastor. This guy works for Apple, man. My God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, These people, like, I just don't get it. It just like, blows my mind. They are awful people. Next one is uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick. He's wearing these Saint Laurent boots. They're like a leather motorcycle style. These are 1095. He's the lead pastor at Elevation Church in Charlotte. Bills itself as a global ministry. He made headlines in 2013 when it was revealed that he built a $1.7 million mansion for himself and his family, which he told his congregation, Jeff, is a gift from God. This, <laughs> this might be our winner so far because what a douchebag. Holy crap. Can you imagine flaunting that and be like, hey, this is from God? No, just kidding. It's from the money that you guys give me, even though you just had to walk here because you can't afford to get here any other way. Like, but, but it comes the question is like, so I don't know his celebrity now, but like, who's the real douche, like him stealing the money or him telling them that they're like, yeah, okay. I, just I rubbing it. it in. Like, can you imagine having to listen to that? And people are like, oh, praise, praise the Lord that Pastor Furtnick and his family get this $1.7 million mansion and he can wear these St. Laurent boots around for to step Look, on all of us with. <laughs> right. Those boots are, are very interesting. It, just this whole outfit. It looks like they're at like a like a music festival. He looks like he's like performing. It does, yeah, like that's how it is. Like there's, you know, there's 
it's like a bigger version of like what you would see at some of these, you know, more modern churches with, you know, techno, like there's, except there's like a DJ booth in the background. Like I see, you know, like a, there's an Apple uh, laptop there and a bunch of sound equipment. And was a Vici going to come out? Like what? Yeah, that's what, it, that's exactly what it looks like. Maybe they're going to raise a Vici from the dead. That's yeah. exactly what And he's looking, he's wearing like a, well, he looks like, he looks like homeless besides the shoes. He's just wearing like a baggy sweatshirt and like some jeans, yeah. but then. Uh, Pastor Mike Todd of the Oklahoma based Transformation Church. Let's see, he's rocking some uh $1,090 Balenciaga sneakers. He's got 1.4 million followers on Instagram. Uh, he has a, a book on the New York Times bestseller list, Jeff. I'm not really impressed with these. So, a lot of Balenciaga stuff's like really modern and odd looking. These look like just regular white sneakers. So kind of disappointing where he's spending his parishioners money here, Jeff. I think he could step it up. Very insulting. I mean, what's you going know, on, like, man? I've seen like, you know, some of the, there's some of those crazy, like, um, they have some like knee. Have you ever seen those like knee high slip on ones that they have? Oh yeah. They're like, they have some weird looking one. Like these are just super boring to me. So I, I think pastor Mike really has to step his game up. Pastor here. Mike. And he got him wet. Yeah. What is happening there? This can it, you describe this photo for our listeners, please? Because so I don't looks, because I see electronics next to where he's standing in water, Jeff. Yeah, so it looks like a oversized kiddie pool because I can see the the kind of the trim in the background. And it looks like he's walking his outfit. Let's say he looks like it's Saturday morning. He's going to like, going to play some basketball or something with his buddies. He's wearing like a tracksuit. So th- three quarter length. These are like the warm ups that they wear, in, like the English Premier League. Yeah, the three ex- quarter pant. They're like, and it man looks freeze. like he's walking through <laughs> oversized kitty. Someone please throw him a toaster, please. Like, right. <laughs> and look at that bad CGI. Like, look at that green screen. That's the thing. Too. It looks like, though, he's in water and there is literally oh, he's like definitely a, in water. There's a tablet right next to him. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what's happening here. Oh, Pastor Mike. Well, he's in Oklahoma, as we've heard from other uh, other podcasts. Not the brightest bulbs in the Christmas tree in, in that state. So. That is true. I wonder if he's had a hot mic incident. Oh, I bet. Saying, look, look at all these dummies giving me money. Oh, oh did you guys hear that? <laughs> John Gray, again, who we talked about at the beginning, uh, he was the gentleman with the uh, Supreme Louis Vuitton coat. He is wearing a Givenchy $1,145 sweatshirt. Not bad. By the way, I, you know, as a, as a bigger gentleman, I have a really tough time finding stuff in this size. I don't want to know where they're getting this stuff because this that's a large man as we talked about before so in euro sizes that's like at least like a four or five x because the, all those sizes are like two sizes bigger i do need to find out where they're getting some of this stuff because i am a little bit jealous that a 300 pound man is wearing designer labels like this so so i'm just guessing but i i bet you if you reach out to him um god will tell you if you if you give me one thousand one hundred and forty five dollars god will tell you where to get this this stuff <laughs> Like, I'm just guessing. I don't there's know, like but. this one has like some like metal rivet, like something riveted to the to the sweatshirt here. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm not like a very fashion forward, but this looks dumb to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's different. <laughs> there's like one on his shoulder. There's like two on his chest. There's like or two on his stomach, one on his chest. Maybe. Is there a second one? It's just. Yeah, I'm weird. not really sure what's happening there. My question is like, if you're like a man of God, why are you going like? 
all these pictures look like they're in some sort of sermon. Besides homeless biker shoes, dude, what's his name? Pastor Steven. Like all these other people look like they're in full sermon. Like, and they're just like rocking Gucci. Like, how can you go to this church and be like, it's oh, just yeah, an I'm- active infomercial? Like, so the, like they're wear- like they're dressed designer clothing, just trying to bilk more money out of the people that they're preaching to. Essentially, it's just one big infomercial for themselves. Yeah, you're just like, oh, that's cool. He's wearing a, a riveted, you know, shirt. That's cool. I'm going to Walmart after this to buy underwear. But this dude just got like a thousand dollar sweatshirt on. Like, yeah. Uh, next one is uh, Pastor Brian Maldonado. And this is a lovely photo of him with Eric and Lara Trump. And he's wearing a pair of $1,020 Louis Vuitton sneakers. These are interesting, I will say. Not typical what you see with Louis Vuitton. These are the like neon blue sneakers. They're like, a, it's like a running sneaker. Uh, both him and his father, Guillermo, they run the El Rey Jesus Church in Miami. I'm not really sure how they know the Trumps, but... <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting one here. <laughs> These aren't bad, but like, I don't know if I'm paying a thousand dollars for some Louis Vuitton, that probably wouldn't be my first choice, I will say. No, I mean, there's just so much going on in this picture that I want to say, but I'll just keep it. I just like it's like, it's funny because like pra- pastors always talk about, well, I don't know, I've been to church in forever, but you think they talk about world peace and stuff and like unifying. And this guy's like, we won today. Like, go Trump. Like, it's like, I don't know if he wanted to unify everyone. Like, but he's say, happy election day, America. Jesus has won the victory. So you're saying Jesus was team Trump. And then it's also maybe, but. Hoy se decide el futuro de esta nación. Jesus ya gana la victoria. So there you go. All right. Uh, Our next friend here is, let's see, Chad Veach. He runs the hip zoe church or zote in los angeles now this is this is probably i would say something that's very desirable these are twenty five hundred dollar pair air jordans some of the old style ones not my my personal fan but i know these are very in demand he has a podcast leadership lean in uh veach's church has been associated with several major celebrities including justin bieber and chris pratt oh this is that one jeff that's faced criticism as they hate lgbtq people Gotcha. So I'm sure he's a lovely individual. Great uh, guy. But I will say the as far as like retaining their value, those shoes probably you could probably move those and probably even make a profit on them. So not necessarily a bad investment for classic Air Jordans. No, but the dude's a scumbag, obviously. Because yes. you preach all this and then you LGBTQ, you don't you don't believe they have rights. So you're a uh, piece of shit. Our but. next person is actually also associated with just by the Justin Bieber's name comes up quite a bit in this particular article. I was going to bring that up later. Like it's very like he, how do you need a pastor if you're rich? I saw right before we went on the air tonight too. I actually saw something about Justin P- Bieber like visiting a hospital and preaching like the gospel. This literally tonight, oh, no. I think it was on TMZ. He was like visiting a hot a local hospital. Oh, no. I don't know like if he's like had a. 180 in his life too because we've talked about mike tyson we're going to talk about that coming up as well but justin bieber seems really down with jesus uh in his new life here with uh Haley baldwin or whatever is that that's who his wife is right <laughs> yeah i thought you meant by 180 i thought you meant he was going like toward, towards the shia labeouf kind of world <laughs> like well like so- talking crazy and falling asleep during uh you know, when they were, they were doing that practice for that movie, whatever it's called. Do you ever see that video on Barso? Oh, yes. When he's I like exactly. in the yep. live read, he's like falling asleep in some like pickup truck. Fantastic. 
And so this next gentleman who, this is actually the, this is the pastor, Pastor Carl Lentz. He baptized Justin Bieber. He has a $792 pair of uh, Nike Air Fear of God ones. Uh The best part of this though, is that just another upstanding man of the cloth, Jeff. Uh, He admitted cheating on his wife. So great. Great. Fantastic. Yes. On to Judah Smith and his wife, Chelsea. They're the lead pastors at the city church in Seattle. Uh, They're friends with Justin and Haley Bieber. He's rocking. He's rocking a. uh, This is some sort of Gucci ensemble. So we have a $490 Gucci tank top and a $980 pair of joggers, I guess, some sort of another cropped pant that doesn't go to the floor. Uh, pants I'm not a fan of the tank tops. Okay. That's actually his wife. It looks like that's wearing it. It's like a fake cut, you know, like bodybuilders, like rip the neck area. It's I was like, going to say, that's what it looks like. It's not like a V it's like a, she, she's wearing like a U. Yeah. It's like a U. Not really though, but kind of, but she's wearing like a, like a, like a pantsuit with it, which is a little peculiar. And then he's wearing a button up with joggers. So I guess that's the style. Uh, but again, I mean, this is so rich, a, doesn't matter. another set of pastors associated with the Biebers. Uh, another one from uh, Stephen Furtick, who we talked about earlier. He's got a $500, $540 uh, Farfetch shirt that he's wearing during his sermon. Uh, he is also a musician, apparently. I don't, he says uh, some GMA Dove Award nominations. I have no idea what that is, but this shirt is a some sort of camouflage design with a chevron pattern on the side. Uh, I don't. I I kind of I do like camo stuff, but I don't know about this one. I don't know how I like the mixture of designs in this one. No, I don't like the, the mid, like the if there were just camo, got rid of all that other nonsense. That's not a bad shirt, but I bet you can find a shirt like that for like fifty bucks. Oh yeah, at Marshalls. Probably, yeah, that probably, and like that's five hundred forty dollars like, from Farfetch. Right, like I feel like at that point, like you're just spending money to spend money because nobody knows what the hell that is. Like that shirt, you have too you. much money. Yeah, exactly. You just you're just shopping at like these boutique stores just to spend money. I've never heard of Farfetch. I've I really haven't seen it too like too mainstream, but like you know these are the type of things that are like made like they're made in like you know, smaller batches and it just makes it more expensive because like yeah. it's not made in Asia, but in fact, it probably is anyway, but I'm just a guy that goes um, to Marshall's and TJ Maxx. So I, nothing I, wrong not, with that. Nothing I'm not, hip, that. I'm not hip to the, these, these far fetched people. Pastor Ron Carpenter at the redemption world outreach center in San Jose is, these are some nice Jordans. Again, these are some classic, those are nice Jordans. You know, uh, I'm not sure what model these are, um, but these have like a, an interesting blue color, which I actually like these. I'm not sure, but they're, these are valued. Like Carolina around. blue. Yeah. No. But it's a little bit more electric than that. So it's like between yeah. like a baby and like an electric blue. Uh, these are valued though. at a thousand ninety nine dollars uh, but that's nothing. His net worth is around $2 million. Thanks to his successful nationwide ministry. According to this article. Um, okay. Just so mad. This whole article just has me so mad. John Gray here again. John, oh, let's see the shoes. So he's got some new, these are some, these are pretty rare. These are the Air Easy twos. So these aren't even ones like that are usually like available. Like a lot of times, like if you sign up for like the email list, you can, you can get into like the 
the waiting room for like right easy like 300s and 700s and stuff like that mm -hmm. these are very difficult to acquire these are valued at around $3,721. Uh, not a huge fan of this particular design. The shoes aren't bad. I'm not really sure about the color scheme on these. Then the other pair um, is an all red. I do like the all reds, Jeff. Those are valued at $5,611. $5, he looks like those he's got nice. quite a collection here. Um, I assume that he has some connection to Kanye probably given that he has these sneakers. Yeah, I just don't understand why celebrities attack. like you have to know they're con artists. Right. Like how are you that he, what, is that why all these musicians are broke at the end of their careers and like athletes? Like, what they, is they, Pastor Gray bringing to the table, Jeff? I don't know. Is he telling is he just, me that you how to scam people? Like, like that's he makes you feel that good about yourself that you have to just empty your checking account into his. Yeah. And He's again, like if that works, like if here's the thing, right? If if these are if they're celebrities. And a lot of them are obviously right. The, that he, that are the clientele. Yeah. It's like, I don't give a shit. Right. No, the, at least care. I want to give like, that's fine. Right. But like, I think the problem is, is like, it almost becomes like an addiction. I think for, and for people that like, it's like a gambling problem to people that can't afford it. And they keep, yeah. you know, like they're you conned in these, you know, they're these tithes and, you know, basically just committing a certain amount of money. And that, that, those are the people I worry about. Yeah, we well, see people wait in line for like Joel Olstein, and like they wait to go to one of his sermons, and they spend like outrageous. Usually, like, pay money to go into the church. Very what right. Church? It's a you buy club. tickets like, like you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. it's like you go to a sporting event. Oh, I'm going to Joel Olstein. It cost me a grand a ticket. Like you're doing something wrong. I'm sure everyone's enjoying this segment, but we're going to try and wrap this up because we've been a little bit long, although it was enjoyable. Miami preacher Rich Wilkins, uh, Wilkerson Jr., He's uh, he officiated uh, Kim and Kanye's wedding. Um, he has some, he also has a pair of the Nike Air Fear of Gods, which are $854. He's the lead pastor at Vu Church in Miami. Uh, and he has many celebrities uh, in his flock Courtney Kardashian, Justin Bieber. Uh, he and his wife are also stars in their own reality show called Rich in Faith. Oh, what a great name that is. How apropos. Um, that had 10 episodes on Oxygen about six years ago. <laughs> so, you know, I will say of this, like everybody that we went through, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that John Gray has the best wardrobe here. Oh, like, for sure. I, I legit actually like his style here. Uh, but the fact that he's spending tens of thousands of dollars on his on his wardrobe, well, you know, there's obviously people that could probably use that for food. Uh, you know, not the greatest, right? When you when you're calling yourself a pastor, and this is where you're, you know, using your funds. But you know, there's obviously people that are far worse. You know, obviously you've seen Joel Osteen's like car, you know, car collections and stuff like that before. And so, you know, this is just some you know clothes and shoes and stuff, but. Nevertheless, it's always fun to shame these people at preachers, the letter N sneakers on Instagram. Any final uh, parting words for these folks, Jeff? Um, just that I hate them. Yes. Anyone ever hears this? I hate them all. We hate you guys them are scumbags and um, you're going to burn in hell. And if you want to donate Jeff, that, Church that merchandise to Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. That's P.O. Box. No, all right. I'm just kidding. Praise Zoltan. But, but seriously, the dudes wear my car reference. Yes. <laughs> National Sports is brought to you by Kinfolk's award-winning barbecue, a taste from the deep down south. They're smoking up your favorites like pulled pork, beef brisket, chicken, and ribs. 
They also offer delicious Granny's Fried Chicken. Online ordering is available in Taunton at kinfolksbbqma.com. Online ordering is also now available in Easton at eatkinfolks.com. All right, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. I know like a lot of people are probably a little apprehensive going into this because it's been a very strange year. I know a lot of people that even love basketball in particular hadn't necessarily paid a, a, you know, absorbent amount of attention this year. However, I would say the tournament in, as a whole has been pretty enjoyable so far. Uh, in particular, the Pac-12 is just absolutely dominating teams. The, the USC-Kansas game, my God. USC just absolutely beat the doors off of Kansas. Mm. This was Kansas's worst tournament loss ever and the worst since their 1940 national title game that they lost uh, 60 to 42. I will say, you know, this game was, was pretty, although pretty lopsided, enjoyable. Um, the Mobley brothers at USC, I would say are really fun to watch in particular. You got two big dudes at really just dominated the game here. And they're both pretty young. Uh, The freshman is Evan. He's the center. He's a projected lottery pick. He had 10 and 13 and three blocks, five assists. And then the older brother, Isaiah, he's still, he's like 6'10", but he led the team in 17 points to go with eight rebounds, four assists, and shoots the three very well uh, as well. So these are obviously guys that you're probably going to see at the next level, but I will, you know, I mentioned just the PAC 12 in particular, I believe what four of the five entrants are, you know, going to the sweet 16 here, mm-hmm. just a really dominating performance by the PAC 12 in general here. Um, but, you know, as a whole, the tournament, I, I would say I've really enjoyed it. And again, I, I've you know, admittedly did not watch as much college basketball this year as I typically do just a very odd year, hard to kind of keep track of things, but you know, we've seen some overtime. We've seen a, some really fun upsets here. I, I really have to say I'm, I'm very much enjoying this tournament. Um, any thoughts on this game, Jeff, or any of the other tournament action so far? So I guess the first thing is woof. Like just to come out. I mean, I know it's a tough year for everyone. Like I get it. Like these teams had to go through these circumstances, but like just to get your doors blown off like that, like uh, it, that's got to be so hard for those kids especially like on national television. Um, I mean, overall, I've actually, I have enjoyed it. So I haven't watched, I mean, I don't usually watch a ton of college basketball. Like I, I, I watch a little bit. Uh, I watch even less than that this year, um, but the tournament's been great. I always watch the tournament. It just, if I may watch some of these college basketball games, because I feel like the ones like, I don't go look and see what's going on that day. I kind of flip through the channels and I'll see when I'll put it on. But it's always like a team that shouldn't be playing each other. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. I'm done. I get, I have the worst luck. Um, it's kind of like the equivalent, I guess, for people. It's a different sport. But like watching like Clemson play like, I don't know, like what was that? It's the Citadel. Like that's <laughs> Right. The they usually play. Yeah, exactly. That's the equivalent. <laughs> I always it happens to me that I, I, I'm watching this just bash, brain bashing. So I, I always turn it off. But I mean, there's been some great upsets, some good games. And uh, I've been surprised and only one, what one cancellation so far. Is that right? So correct. Which yeah, but had benefited Oregon and then they still managed to do pretty well in their first game after that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Did. Yeah, they did. So, yeah. 
And we get to see Loyola Chicago back in it and and our our good friend, 101-year-old sister, Jean. Always so crazy. Always fun to see her around. She's great. It's a it's a living mascot, like basically, like that's yeah. She's like, I got my vaccines, I'm ready to go. Like, that's just a see. That's a lady. If she made a church, I'd give money to because she's legit, you know. But she probably wouldn't take it though, you know. Being a nice, modest woman, I don't know that's what you think. Loves then you see her wearing some Gucci, some Gucci outfit. But yeah, it's been great. And those brothers are legit. Um, I know you talked about them a couple of weeks ago. So I kind of went back and kind of watched some like highlights of them. And holy moly. Those are two. They, they play so well together, too. It'd be good yeah. to see somehow them. I mean, I, I don't know about the I know the ones making he's a lottery pick. I don't know about his brother. He's still, I, I don't know if he's leaving. I, I, he'll definitely be, I think he'll still be a first round pick just because he's 6'10 and shoots the three. Like the, even the, yeah. you know, when you're, like, I just haven't heard if he's coming out this year. I know his brother. Yeah, I don't know. Up, so, yeah, I think it'd be good yeah. to see them on a same team somehow, which I don't, will find likely, but it's kind of like the, uh, Lopez's. the Morris brothers, but oh, and the Morris. Like the, the yeah, they might be more of the Lopez's a little bit, but yeah, exactly. They're both, you know, yeah, like the, more athletic version of like a brother duo. So to see them on the sure. same team, it'd be pretty, really cool to see. I love the oral Robert oral Roberts thing is pretty fun for me too. Like this is, it's fun to like, to like find like a team to root for, like, especially like, obviously, unless you went to any of these schools, like nobody, especially in our area really has a tie to, you know, any of the, the teams that are left at this point. So like, no, the fact that you have a number 15 seed in the sweet 16, like I'm, I'm just going to root for oral Roberts, like throughout the, re- the end of this. Yeah. I mean, you just, you kind of see these names and they're kind of weird. And you look, just look at the bracket as a whole. You're like, wait, who's in it? What round are we in? <laughs> like, I feel like this is like, I understand it's a little bit different, but this is just the more reason why we need to expand the football playoff that you and I have just talked about repeatedly. Like the fact that we have a team like Oral Roberts in the final 16 teams is just, a, is fantastic. Oh yeah. Like well, it's like <laughs> Stevens was at Butler. Like who, who's Butler? Sure. Uh, yeah. BCU. Like this is why this works so well. Where is VCU? Why? Obviously, it's in the name, Jeff. Yeah, I know. That was a bad example, but I'm saying like, who is VCU? Like, well, nobody knows. Nobody knows where Oral Roberts is. I guarantee you that. That that I can assure you because (laughs) I would like. Yeah, I think I put money on that. What's his name? What's what's like? I forgot his name now. Back on VCU, but like everyone knows his name. Like you can't tell me who I don't know. Pick a football, college football team, some random team. You don't know who, who the head coach of that team is, unless your right. name is Brad. But um, I just think basketball is way more exciting than their playoff structure. If I know they can't mimic obviously a sixty-four team playoff in a football, they definitely should. Expand. I mean, we're just asking for eight, right? Isn't that what, yeah? Is that what we've settled on? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a big ask. No, because we could get some of these sleeper teams. So they, they'll never do it. But I that that's. That's the big draw for college basketball, of course. These kind of Cinderella stories that seem to make it to at least the Final Four, if not the championship sure. game. Yeah, absolutely. That that would be amazing if one of these, like, if you have a Oral Roberts or a Loyola, you know, get get to the the Final Four. That I think that would be really special. It's like every year. Yeah, that's what that's what makes and that's what makes at this least maybe enjoyable. Part, but at least the elite. Like but. as much as I like watching Notre Dame get annihilated in the playoff, <laughs> like can we give somebody else a chance here, please? Yeah. It'd be nice. <laughs> All right. Um, 
we talked a lot about Deshaun Watson and my disdain for Tony Busby on Saturday. And again, like I'm not, I don't want to get stuck on this too much because again, we're only at the mercy of the evidence that we have from these two high profile attorneys because, you know, Deshaun Watson has retained uh, Rusty Harden, who's represented Roger Clemens amongst other celebrities as well. And so basically this is a civil trial that's being played out in the media essentially, but I, I just, I have some legitimate concerns here about the timing of this, Tony Busby's connections to people. And then today there was some information here that I think was certainly very interesting in that. So uh, Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's attorney issued a statement and one of these, the many charges, uh, civil uh, charges here is by a woman that it, it appears that the Deshaun Watson and his defense team have evidence that this accuser was trying to blackmail him. So apparently back in, Jan- in January, uh, this woman had d- demanded $30,000 in exchange for her indefinite silence about what she stated was a consensual account- consensual encounter. And uh, attorney Harden had then he issued the because obviously, again, there's no names here, but there they gave the particular uh, case number, I guess, here of, and who they believe this woman was. She had apparently contacted uh, Deshaun's uh, was it marketing manager or some, something of that nature, I think. And so they at least for one of these incidents, they have some legitimate evidence that this is clearly a blackmail situation. And so I don't think this looks good for Tony Busby and all these other lies that he told during that press conference on, was it Friday? And I, we talked about this again on Saturday and I just by a five minute Google search, I was easy, you know, able to debunk a lot of the claims that, that he was spewing. And so, you know, I guess we're going to wait obviously for, you know, more information here, but another thing apparently is what the attorney had said, uh, says we have received numerous unsolicited comments in the past week from many licensed massage therapists who have worked with Deshaun in recent years. These women describe him as a gentleman and a model client who never engaged in inappropriate conduct. Indeed, before these salacious, salacious claims, everyone who associated with Deshaun described him as an outstanding, respectful, and compassionate man. So again, certainly I would, you know, reserve judgment in this entire case as we all should, but you, you can't just take the word of some snake oil salesman attorney and just, and run with it. And, and that's like, that's all I would say to people that are, you know, quick to, to rush to judgment here, Jeff. And so I know you and I talked about this at length. It seems like every few hours, there's an update to the story in some way, in some way, but Again, I just this kind of goes in the direction that I, I've, I've said before, where there's a lot to sift through here, and it's very difficult to understand what information is factual here. Yeah, so I mean, I agree. I mean, I would suggest. I mean, I mean to be honest, this, this looks like this is very fishy situation. But like for now, whatever. I would just tell people because I don't want to stay too much on this topic because yeah, it just pisses me off. But just do your homework. Just just look at the chain of events that happened look at the connections between the attorney and the owner of the football team 
look at what Deshaun said. They didn't want to play for that team anymore. It just it, everything just lines up a little bit too nice, in my opinion, for it to be legitimate. Um, especially there's ones from years ago, allegedly. I mean, maybe they did happen, but like everything seems a little fishy. So I'd say do your homework because a lot of people I see on social media are like, oh, he, he has too much free time or, oh, another celebrity I, using his money. It's just like, just do a little research. I don't understand why the law allows you to slander somebody under the guise of anonymity in a civil trial. Like, I certainly understand that if you were sexually assaulted, that there can be repercussions and, you know, retaliatory events. And especially in a mm-hmm. criminal trial, if you're, you know, if you're testifying and all of that, I certainly understand that. Yeah. And I respect that process. What I don't understand, though, is why you're allowed to remain, remain anonymous on a civil trial which is, you know, you trying to gain a significant amount of money, potentially slandering another individual and nobody knows who you are or, you know, or anything like that. I just, I, I find it very, I, I think it make it almost makes it easier for you to make such claims, you know, without, because it calls into question and then your character, right? So let's say that, again, I'll just use the name Jane Doe, but say you or I know Jane Doe, we know what type of, we know that in the past, Maybe she's made some, you know, sketchy decisions or she's uh, falsely accused people in the past, but like, it doesn't give you the opportunity as someone that, you know, then be able to come forward and say, okay, this is a pattern for this particular individual. You know, they've gone after celebrities before they've filed frivolous lawsuits before. Like, I just feel like it just gives like a, a little bit too much, you know, power to somebody that, you know, we don't know, you don't know anything about essentially. And again, I'm saying this specifically as a civil trial. This is not a criminal proceeding as much as Tony Busby would lead you to believe. believe. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand. Like your name should be out there. If you're going to accuse someone, like they at least need, because they should be able to do their due diligence and look into you and see, you know, let's, you know, to make sure that this, everything's in the up and up. Because like clearly, clearly Busby went to his old neighbor well, it sounds like and got rounded up a bunch of people that need some money and said, hey, we'll pay you if you pretend to sue Sean Jackson. Because Watson, Watson, what did I say? Sean Jackson. I was thinking because he just went to the Rams. It has nothing to do with this. But like, <laughs> <clears throat> just like like you mentioned on Saturday, this is the same guy who's suing a power company for a mother essentially killing her child by not being able to warm him up. Suing him. for So this dude, just the lowest of the low. I bet you if they looked into his financials, you'd see money going out to the same amount of same amount of uh, alleged victims. Like there'd be a paper trail if they were able to, you know, say who they are, which they should be. I, I, why do you why do you get to stay hidden? Because doesn't exactly. the person being accused should have every right to try to defend them? I totally agree with that. <laughs> and they did Stupid. issue us. So the, the gentleman that originally the marketing manager that I mentioned, uh, Brian Bernie, that works for Deshaun Watson did issue like a full-on statement with some details about this particular situation that allegedly happened in mid-January. And so you can read all that that statement online. There's some very specific information without names, obviously, but, um, you know, dates and, and things like that. Uh, it's very detailed. So, you know, there's certainly a, some, you know, actual evidence that that backs up this claim of blackmail here. So, this this isn't going away anytime soon. And quite frankly, I, I'm not even sure if I'm ready for like this is just gonna go on for a while. And I at some point they're gonna have to put him on, you know, like an exempt list of some kind because it this is gonna cause a big time 
just distraction, I think, for this team. And so I'm not Which sure. They don't need. No, they already have enough of their own issues. Although maybe it does get some other people off the hook, Jeff. So, you know. That's true. And that's all it's all about. It just, I said, do your homework. The last thing I'll say is made me think you don't see other, like, because, you know, when high profile things like celebrities don't like to put their two cents in, there's not a lot of two, two cents going around. Like, I know Dabo Sweeney said something uh, recently. He said he like, still loves him like a son. He said, yeah. But like I'm saying, it's not like the it's not like the outcry, like oh my god, he's a monster. Like, so it just seems like this is really a non-factor. Like, yeah, it's popping up on people's news feeds, but like you're not hearing about it constantly unless you're watching sports. I feel like for the average person, so even the even the media that can you know be garbage at times, that they're not even really picking up on this. So it's just like. Yeah, I think it's very difficult. We got, you know, obviously some people like to pick sides and all these things, but like you just just examine the information that you have and just think for yourself. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't because anybody, any media outlet or any specific person told you to think, you know, make up your own mind with the evidence that you do have in front of you. Mm -hmm. All right, Jeff. Uh, Our next story originally, we were going to report that (laughs) the Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield fight was off for now after Tyson had reportedly rejected a $25 million offer. However, right before we were broadcasting, some breaking news came out via TMZ and Mike Tyson himself is saying that the Holyfield fight is now officially on and it's scheduled for May 29th. Now the original report, the the issue in particular here was with Mike Tyson, I guess was, unhappy with Triller. That's the uh, fight promoter. Apparently Uh, he didn't really had some, didn't have some nice things to say. He posted a whole thing on his Instagram account basically. And Mike had signed, I guess, a two-year fight with them. And so they basically own the rights to this second fight here. You know, the first one, obviously everybody is already aware of that happened, but this was, I guess, an issue with Mike has with Triller. And so, I don't know what changed, you know, in the last 24 hours here, but, you know, Mike is now stating that this is indeed a, a done deal. He had some nice things to say about a Vander Holyfield here. Um, and so I don't know what the money is going. I don't know if it's still the $25 million or what have you, but I'm sure there's enough money for everybody to go around here. Oh yeah. Um, what do you think about this fight? Like I'm not really sure what to expect, you know, having these two, like two retired heavyweights, like in this, usually like there's some other wrinkle involved when we've seen these type of fights. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so, I mean, I don't follow, you know, but I mean, obviously I know who these two are back in the day. I used to follow boxing, but recently, you know, not so much. It's just like the idea of the fight is great. It's just like, these are, Two, like you said, retired. They're not spring chickens. Not like they just retired. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting. I guess the best way to say it, I just like, I don't know if it's going to be worth a pay per view. We don't just know how much. Name alone. We don't know how much it's going to cost. Yeah, I tell you, I'll definitely need to watch this. But I wonder, you know, somebody like somebody's got to get knocked down one of these fights, and I, I think if anything, it's going to be this one. Because if either one of these guys connects, I assume it's it's lights out. You know, this is a little bit different than some of these other like quasi celebrity, you know, type things. Like, I just wonder though if both if these guys just be are too cautious 
I, I don't yeah. I don't know if Holyfield can go the full fight though either. So that that you know that's the part I think again like we don't know that much information about this, but I'm just telling you like at face value, I don't foresee you know a 58 year old of Vander Holyfield going you know, however many rounds they decide <laughs> for this particular bout. I just don't see how that's possible. Especially we yeah. saw we saw that Tyson did look in pretty damn good shape. Now, and yoked. Tyson's obviously four years younger as well, but there's no way if this is even, I don't know. I can't see Holyfield going past, I don't know, six or seven rounds. I was going to say six rounds right? max like, for him. There's no way. <laughs> like, it's I just like, do you think like stuff like this hurts boxing? I mean, I guess it can't um, hurt any more than it already is. Not yes and no. I I think if any, I think it helps because I've talked about before how boxing has had like, like I would say, waning casual viewership you know like when mike when mike tyson was boxing and, and even like you know when you talk about like the you know pacquiao mayweather it drew it, it also drew in casual fans true but right when there's not like a face like who is for a casual boxing fan does does a casual box like someone that just watches occasionally do they even know any of the like current fighters I might know Tyson Fury because he's always out there doing shit. Would they recognize him though? And again, like I saw, like, recognize him? No, but Tyson Fury says he's going to fight and is a big fat mess right now. I saw, you know, ready to I know he himself just... out of the the fight. So, but like again, you know, again. for somebody that watches, maybe just watches, you know, they'd go over somebody's like somebody or, or your friend might be into it. You know, they order the fight and you come over to eat and you know you'll watch. It's the same thing with like UFC right now, right? Like there's people that will watch it, but like you don't necessarily like follow the sport intensely and you rec- like. I feel like this keeps people involved because obviously there's advertising and like you, maybe you'll see something or maybe like you enjoyed watching this at your friend's house. So you're going to watch just another fight that might be on. Right. So I think it does help. Like, this is not, I don't think this is fooling anybody, Jeff, that this is like a, like a legitimate fight. These are not like real bets. No, it's a gimmick. Yeah. So, and they're being, you know, they're being conducted under exhibition rules and such. So I don't think it hurts, especially th- these are two of the best to ever do it. You know, it's, these are yeah. two of the best heavyweights. So like, I don't think there's anything that can really diminish the sport. I, although like, I do worry that they're just, there's going to be a lot of just hugging and nothing happens, you know, potentially After round four. <laughs> right. And so I, I do think it helps. I'm definitely interested to see what this looks like, especially given that what happened with these two in their previous fights, the two, previous, the two, pre, like, That's true. I don't know if it's going to solve anything. You know, the third fight's always fun, especially when you have uh, winners in this case for <laughs> different reasons as to yeah. how Holy Phil ultimately won that fight. But um, yeah, like, I, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens is I think it'll be entertaining. Hopefully on to local sports, Jeff, who's the sponsor. So it's sponsored today by Jalen's cafe. Uh, Jalen's Cafe is located in, located in the Prime Service Station at 414 West Grove Street in Middleborough. Uh, Jalen's offers up a selection of homemade specials served daily. Anything from pizzas, subs, empanadas, Jamaican beef patties, which are incredible. I didn't know what they were before this, and, and a ton more. Um, his daily specials, they, they rotate every day. Uh, he posts them on, the, on his Facebook page. Uh, so go check it out. It's Jalen's Cafe on Facebook. Uh, or you can give him a call and see what he's got. It's at 774- Two one three five one five three. Thank you, Jeff. Let's begin with some Bruins, and we have some injury updates, both some good and some bad. So I, I'll start off with some, 
I guess, bad news, Jeff, but we really don't have too much information. It just seems like Bruce Cassidy just casually said that uh, John Moore had surgery <laughs> and it's an undisclosed injury. So unfortunately, I don't have anything else to tell you in that regard, but it can't be great when you're one of your defensemen has a surgical procedure. So <clears throat> John Moore is out indefinitely, I guess you could say there. Now, uh, Brandon Carlo, some good news there. He is skating. So we're happy to hear that. Obviously, you know, everybody was a little bit nervous about that particular injury. So some good news there. Um, Kevin Miller is not expected to be ready for this Thursday. Shocker. Um, Rask might play this week. Obviously, Lozon still out with his hand situation. Don't know what Seneshin's situation is. He has an upper body injury. Uh, some good news on Tenorti. He has an opportunity to play um, if he practices this week. Obviously, we know what happened you know, with Tenorti. Uh, Kasha, who we've been trying to get information on for you, obviously not great since you know we mentioned about what he's dealing with, but um, he's skated again, but there really is not very much information. Uh, it, Tim, the way that Cassidy talked to Akasha, basically they don't expect to have him back because it, the quote from Cassidy was, you almost have to go forward assuming that it'll be gravy if he gets back in. So there is zero expectation for Akasha uh, to, to join this team. Um, Frederick, who got injured blocking a shot that he said was feeling better. Um, so I guess some pro- promising things. It doesn't seem... It doesn't really seem like anybody's going to be out long-term that we didn't already know about, essentially. So I'd say they're on the right track here, Jeff. Um, in saying that, though, are, there, are any of these injuries that you know bother you more than another um, for somebody that obviously, like a player that we need, and wink, wink, like Rask is kind of where I'm going. But uh, Yeah, so I was going to say Rask. <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, Tenorti, I like too. I mean, I think he's like perfect. Just stay at home, bang D, which um, I don't think he's as important as Rass, but I think Rass is a go to guy. Um, it would have been nice to have Kasha back. Well, what we talked about, I don't think he might, he might not ever play again. So that might be, we talked about Tinted Visor last sure. week. So yeah, that's scary. That kind of, Cassie makes it seem like if he's saying it's gravy, that's, that's not good. So um, I definitely say Rask. It'd be great to get Tenorti back. Um, besides that, whatever. Well, Frederick, Frederick too. Frederick's kind of that spark plug now. He's like uh, trying to fight people. I mean, that he has like it was probably like a bone bruise or something. I'm guessing yeah. just the way they've described that. So I, I think we're optimistic about him joining the team soon. Yeah, I don't know how much they'll miss. Like he's got some weird goals. They're so lucky. So they it's are. like. I, he just hucks it. So, like, I don't know if they miss him like, they feed offensively, up. but like, they his need energy. That, absolutely. Because we've talked energy. about like, they it's don't not really his have, offense. It's like, yeah, yeah, they don't have anybody <laughs> else that really fills fills that role the way he does. No, I, and he, we also don't have that role. I've never seen a guy looking away from the net just turn around, and just huck a puck, and it always goes upper 90. I don't know how he does it's amazing. it. amazing. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, energy alone, he's big. So, Brass needs to come back though. That's the one. And that's the one we've been talking about because when this first came out, that it was a, when we saw him, you know, grabbing at his back and then they, they reported it, you know, that, and, you know, as I mentioned to being a, 
uh, back surgery uh, person here. Uh, it's it's troubling to me because, you know, obviously, again, we've talked about how hockey, like, it's so limited. Like, we're, we, you're lucky you even know it's a back injury, but, like, beyond that, we don't know specifically. Mm-hmm. And so for for somebody like – we've talked about, like, how big a factor he is because although you got lucky with, you know, Vladar's performance – like we've talked about before, Halak just you can't keep you can't play him like back to back to back games like that. It's not fair because that's not what he's here for either. And so I, I really think you know they've they've fortunately at least like with a lot of the defensemen they've when they've lost when they've got one back and they've kind of just people bringing in and out and they've they've managed to piece it together. But as you as you said a little while ago, it really goes through Rask like that. That's the person that they need more than than anything. Yeah, hundred percent. There's not going to be everyone. I keep saying like the what's his name, Jordan Binghamton or whatever his name is. Like, oh, maybe maybe Swayman or Vladar is that guy. It's going to take us to the playoffs. I'm like, that's like a one in a million kind of. Yeah, the Binghamton thing. thing like, yeah, it was. Don't certain, don't, don't do that. Got a nice contract out of that. What do you get? Yeah, six years, thirty six million dollars. That's not like, the that's not the norm. Yeah, you don't want to ruin Swayman by putting that in his head. Like, you could be the next Jordan Binghamton. Bennington, whatever his name is, like don't do Bennington, that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's it. Like, don't he do still that. Still, is like, wasn't Vladar higher pick than Bennington? Bennington was like a third round pick. Like, I oh, he was I think, way, Vladar, I think Vladar's Vladar pedigree is a little bit even more so than than Bennington. I don't know. People just like to like pick out whatever's fresh in their minds. I think for like yeah. analogies, and then, like, that's a great know? story. But like, how many times <laughs> have you seen that in your life? That, like, like your that goalie was he was a rental at, at, in Providence that same year, and we sent him back to St. Louis because they needed him. And you couldn't get. Like, he was playing in the P, the P Bruins. Like that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> goalies all the time will just come from random places, and it really ultimately doesn't matter. And like that's why I think it's it's not fair really to compare goalies to other goalies. Like I mean, look at Tim Thomas. Like there's plenty of there's late bloomers. There's people like it's just for, Vladar has had what like one is it one regular season start. That was his first which is this year, and then you know, other than that, the playoff game, right? So that it's like, it. yep, this is a young. Why are we like the the kid has one regular season? Why are we comparing? Like, it's like when people like start you know comparing like any big man on the Celtics to like Bill Russell. Like, can we please just stop? Just the guy stop. played one freaking game. Can can we not set the bar terribly high that it's impossible for him to achieve? Like, right pump the brakes especially goalies it's like you gotta realize oh my God, they're like, already like they're like pitcher like they're the most like they're all in their head as it is yeah leave them alone like you you even like talk to like people that are in the league like goalies don't blossom to like 24 25 like you don't see many 20 or you don't see any 18 year old goalies in the nhl you don't see any like very rarely 20 when they do goals. they usually then have a couple bad years and i'll get rask is a prime example too Good. what's Remember his name? What, gibson with, What's Anaheim. Gibson and Anaheim. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But smashed. I was just even with Rask, though. Remember when Thomas was hurt and then Rask came, played well, but then lost his job back again to Thomas. And like, yep. there's a lot of guys that go through that. It doesn't like it doesn't define the rest of your career. And you know, like, it's you just really have to take stuff. I think game to game and season by season with these goalies, and it's just not fair to do anything other than that, unless unless you're paying them six plus million a year and then you have certain expectations that's but, different yeah you know 21 year old goalie or whatever like let's chill out here chill out please yeah so what another topic we've talked about lately jeff with the bruins is you know the trade deadline that's approaching and what do they need and 
what do we want them to get and things like that. Cassidy was asked if having this time off with, with COVID changes like their deadline plans. And one thing that Sweeney said to me was a little bit peculiar, Jeff. And it basically, this is a, I'm going to read you this. This is in quotes. We'd like to be healthy and fully evaluate, but that might not be possible as well. It is a factor of what we're trying to do and what we'd like to do. But I think all teams are dealing with that end quote. So it almost like he's like, they're, they're waiting longer. And like, I mean, if you keep waiting, like people are going to keep getting hurt anyway. Like yeah. it was a little bit odd like the way, you know, I appreciate him talking about it. And like this, he actually gave a lot of quotes on this, you know, particular subject here, but it was a little bit strange. And at the end of the day, like, I don't really know if it had any substance, but you know, the hockey trade deadline's a little bit far. Like the, we have the NBA trade deadline this week, obviously, but mm-hmm. believe the hockey one's not till April 12th, but we've talked about things that the Bruins need and how they faded recently. So obviously like, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you don't, you're not into waiting any, any longer if the right deal is to be made. Right. No, it, it has to happen now. The only reason I can think, which I hope they're not thinking this way. Um, this is why the injury thing would kind of help out. But I'm wondering if they're like, we don't know if Rass is coming back. If Rass doesn't come back, we're dead in the water. Are we going to actually trade anyone? It's a good point. Like, let's say that maybe they're waiting. Pulling in the back is never good. If like, Rass needs surgery or something, right? That could yeah, be something that, that they're waiting. Which I that I might understand, right? If that's what they're make wait- me think. That's a good point, Jeff. Because if that's what they're waiting on, that I'm okay with. Because you're 100 right. Like, if you're especially if you're gonna make a big time trade. If you're going to move some serious Why assets out the door, now? yeah, like you need to examine that, especially when then, you know, we don't even know if Rast is incoming. Like that changes your future, this season and your future very much so. Yep. And then like we just talked about, we don't talk about it again, but like if you were to make a big splash and get a top four D or like a top six forward, you're going to have that pressure on, on a Vladar or a Swayman to be, right? You got to be that guy. You got to be that guy behind the lock, which we don't want. Because if you're going to go for it this year, which I understand the window's closing, but you don't want to ruin your what could be one of your starting goalies because you you make big splashes, Tuka's out. You can't rely on Halak. We know that. So I wonder if they're going to take their time. To, I mean, if we near here the next couple of weeks that Tuka's done for the year, then I would say there's probably no trades to be at. I would tend to agree with that. That's something we I think definitely have to keep an eye on. And ultimately, mm-hmm. if they if they don't make it, you know, a big time trade, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that shortly, you know, they may be waiting to say something as far as his future, or if you see him get put on long-term injured reserve, then I, you know, then you can start asking questions. Um, We've been, we've gone through pretty much every name in the book, whether it's on the podcast or on the Saturday broadcast about Mm -hmm. uh, potential, uh, basically anybody that has a pulse and could potentially be available (laughs) But um, just in the last few minutes, another name uh, came out, and this has a little bit of a local flavor to it. Um, the Coyotes winger and somebody that uh, you had a little insight on, uh, Connor Garland, Situate native, mm-hmm. um, is uh, available. I believe this is from, I think it was Elliot Friedman originally that stated that the Coyotes were just trying to replenish uh, some of their assets. And it looks like the problem being here is that Let's see. It says he's also arbitration eligible this summer and next followed by unrestricted free agency. So I guess these are 
you actually you have a little bit of control at least for this coming season. Mm-hmm. I obviously I believe he's a top six forward person. I mean, I don't think anybody would really dispute that, but this is the type of player that I've wanted them to get to play alongside Krejci for the you know few games that you have left of David Krejci essentially because we don't expect unless he's you know coming back on a severe discount I don't foresee that that relationship continuing so uh, what do you think of Connor Garland in a fit for the Bruins I think it's exactly what they need I mean he's he's young he's only 25 I believe yes um so he's got the skills he's definitely a top six forward for sure um I mean he's had success pretty much everywhere he's gone from OHL to AHL to this like a little bit on the smaller side so he's not going to be some Lucic, I think he's. I, I think he might be five eight on skates. I, I don't know exactly his, his measurement. I think he's listed at five ten. Five ten, so he's uh, who probably knows? five eight. Yeah, he's probably five eight with the skates on a little bit. But so I don't think it's a guy that's really gonna not gonna be that, that Lucic guy like everyone likes here. He's. I think he's probably more finesse, but um, well, definitely different need. than DeBrusque. If that's who you're sending out, you, you're sacrificing some size in that in that transaction. Certainly, however, I I, I do want to mention, and this is the, I think probably the most important thing. We've talked about how they've struggled severely with even strength goals, right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. So with Connor Garland, I have some information here. All he has 25 points, I believe, at the time. This yeah. this article was written by Ty Anderson this evening at the Sports Hub. All but five of those 25 points have come at even strength this season, making him the league's 28th most efficient five-on-five scorer, tied with Barzell and, and Braden Point. And just one, it's one ahead of, of Brad Marchand. So I would say that's a, that, to me, is a very attractive stat that this is somebody that is very productive at even strength, which is something that they've been absolutely atrocious at. That just makes me super interested. Uh, the money is non. Ex- there's not. It's nothing. It's a nothing. Seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollar cap hit in his final year, and then we mentioned he's arbitration eligible. It looks like this summer. This would um, this would certainly take some assets. So this is again where we, you know, we brought up some block like a big blockbuster potential with Nashville on the Saturday broadcast, and so you're obviously looking at probably someone on the roster and then a couple first round picks, I'm guessing uh, at least to start the conversation and then negotiate from there. Um, what's the most that you would consider giving up for him? Or Garland? Yeah. Oof. That's a good question. Cause they want, they're all about assets. Would, would you give DeBrusque and two first? Is that too much? It's probably too much. One first round pick and DeBrusque. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, that. does that get it done? I don't know. It depends what they're looking for. Are they look at the, I don't think they're looking for really players. They're looking more for picks. So I'm wondering, or maybe it wouldn't be. I don't. I mean, they could then flip the brusque. I get. I get. I just see it as like an asset. True. But you, but we've talked about how the we're not necessarily comfortable with the Gip Bruins in particular giving away multiple first round picks because yeah, of how scarce more. they've been. Right. Yeah. So even if you know, like hockey is very common. Obviously, you're flipping players to get the pick from another team so and you know you look at the mark bruins and martin jones and you know stuff like that that's obviously mm-hmm. happened you know in the, the recent future so that that's the reason i mention it like that because I, I don't because of the first round pick situation the bruins i don't think a lot of us are comfortable giving up two um, you know unless it's like 
don't know, Sidney Crosby or something right. like it's that. Right. So I think that's why I think DeBrus comes into play because the, we've talked about before there, there seems to still be some value around the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they could then probably just move him if they weren't interested in his services. True. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would work. Cause I know everyone's like, Oh my God, it's the, it's the, the coyotes. Like how good, how good could he be? Cause I, most people probably don't know, who, even though they live here, don't know who Carl, Connor Garland is, but like dude's second on the team in goals and one behind he leads the team in assists, and he's got the best plus minus. It doesn't matter what team you're on. If you're a professional athlete and you're the top of your team, no matter how bad your team is, you're still better than 99% of the world essentially. So like, well, that's why the plus minus, I think, is an interesting stat on a bad team, right? Yeah, plus four. His penalty minutes are low, so he's not making stupid mistakes. I think he had like 12 penalty minutes. Like, like there's plenty of players that you would consider all-stars that have even had been in the negative. Yeah. Right? Like This would be the perfect per- – and not just because he's a hometown. I'm not on him. Oh, my God. He's a hometown boy. Let's get him. We got to get Connor Garland. Yeah, we got to get – oh, my God. We got Grizzly and we got Coyle. Oh, my God. We're going to win. We got to get Eichel. Um, the, it's not- the South Shore contingent is here. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't care where you're from as long as you can play hockey. So it has nothing to do where he's from. So um, I think it's a no-brainer. And, and this is this is one of those. So we were talking about like getting rid of assets. Tuka Rask or not, I would tra- make this trade like a DeBrusque and a first-round pick just to see if you can sign it, like get him I for would, next yeah, year. If, if he That's was like interested. A, this, this is an exception. I would, yeah, I totally agree. This is the player that you would, especially because, you know, you, you we talked about, you will have some money left over. They've also mm-hmm. banked some money, but, you know, we've talked about freeing up money, you know, with, with Krejci gone, potentially Rask, if he's coming back, potentially earning less. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, this would be the type of player that I don't think it would be a hard sell. To, for no. him to even want, like, it's not like a situation where he's traded here and be like, I have no interest. I'm going back to Canada. You know what I mean? Like we've seen, you've seen those type of guys, right. That want to play, but being a, a local guy, I think that does work in your favor because I don't think you're a good team. He's from here. There's no reason why he wouldn't want to resign with you. If you're offering a competitive offer and it's worth, yeah. this isn't like the Kevin Garnett thing where you had to sell him. Uh, you know, that was a risk that the Celtics took because originally he did not want to come here. And so, you know, you took a big risk in trading for Kevin Garnett. And so I don't think that's the case here. And I would agree with you that this is somebody that they can build with going forward as well. Yeah. And like, maybe he'll get, you never know. I hope he doesn't because he should get paid. He's doing well, but maybe he'll take a little bit of a hometown discount, even though he shouldn't. Sure. But a lot of, you see a lot of these players come home and they'll do anything to get back home. So, uh, right. yeah, this is a regardless of RAS thing. This is something because, even with the expansion draft, you don't have seven forwards you can keep at this point on, on this team. So, like, you, you can protect <laughs> yeah. them. You we talked about like, it's them, all like, defensemen that are going to be attractive to Seattle, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you're good. I, I, I would say, regardless of Rask, get that done. Let's get on to some Celtics. And so, this trade deadline is rapidly approaching. I believe it's Thursday. I don't remember what time, but usually it's around four o'clock or so, I think, something like that. But mm-hmm. so, there's, Things are heating up again, Jeff, in, in the trade talks. The latest right now is that the Celtics are leading the race for the Orlando Magic's Aaron Gordon. And so with this particular deal, it's being rumored that it can include Marcus Smart. And, and the more we look at this, 
The reason being is for salary, because it also includes Evan Fournier, who has a significant contract. And so combined, I believe that would exceed, it would exceed the trade, the traded player exception that they have, which is why Marcus Spart um, would need to be included. Although from not getting too far ahead of ourselves, it appears Marcus Smart does have value around the league, contrary to what some other people believe locally. So this is um, Fournier makes like 17 and a half, which is your problem. Now I actually like Evan Fournier. The problem being is that he is a free agent. So I don't see any conceivable way that his services would be retained. Here's the thing, right? But Gordon and Fournier are exactly what this team needs. And like, I know, like we talked about how a lot of these teams were competitive in the East up until, you know, the last few weeks or so, mm-hmm. like I would have loved to have this done, you know, I don't know before the, the all-star game. Right. Because yeah. like, I feel like this is exactly what would have benefited them. These, these two type of players, a, a, you know, a wing and a power forward and Aaron Gordon has, I would say drastically improved his three point game, like significantly. And at this point, I, I, we talked a lot on Saturday, Jeff. I just, I don't know anymore, but at the same time, I don't want them to do nothing. I'm just so pissed off. So you know what? Like do it and just see what happens I, at this point. Like, I don't, I'm not going to get, I, I don't, I'm not going to get mad if they make a trade. Right. Like I think I'm going to be more mad if they just don't do anything, but like, I'm not, there's no way, like if this is what, I mean, I'd probably rather, again, I've talked about, we'd probably have Yoke, uh, um, uh, Vucevic, but Aaron Gordon seems like a good player that could fit in this offense and who knows what they could do. Get it. You know, they could, this is definitely a roster. I think that could get you to the Eastern conference finals. I I don't think you're beating Brooklyn, but what are your thoughts on this specific deal and what, you know, it might take to make this happen here. So I'll start with, I think this would be a good trade for the Celtics, but at the same time, I don't want them to do it. Um, Cause what I see this as this is essentially a rental. For Fournier, Gordon, for Fournier. For Fournier. So you're going to have Gordon, and Gordon by himself is not, that, that's not going to push the needle. Um, but the one thing that you and I talked about just before this, though, is I don't know what implications having an expiring contract may benefit the Celtics, though, because he by him leaving, you may possibly recoup some money. You could also then negotiate a sign. You could also, it could help you at least monetarily, even though there's he probably wouldn't be here. So I will say that's maybe. maybe one thing to keep in mind. The way that, again, you know, we, you and I don't have a PhD in NBA salary cap, and it's no. the most absurd thing on the planet. But oh, gross. it might at least that money being insane might help you uh, keep your options open, even if he's not here next year. True. I just think like like you said, you're not going to be Brooklyn. I'd rather them wait on the wait to use the trade exception for something else, maybe this off season. I just kind of have this as a lost year because as exciting as it would be to have those two, like you're not winning. So who cares? Like maybe you can get a better trade this summer, maybe for like someone better. <laughs> so I don't know. I just don't think it's worth it. You're going to literally waste this. Cause then this is it for Danny. If what is it? Is this trade exception? You get bounced in the first or second round. You, even making the, 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 you know, if you make this trade, people will be like, Oh, we're going to the championship. Like th- this is going to be a lot of heat on him. 
So he's got to choose wisely. Like, are you just going to give up on this year and make a splash in the offseason or try it? Because I don't think it's enough. So suppose in the, the reports are that the Celtics have offered two first round picks. So like, I'm certainly comfortable with that. And then, you know, picks. Yeah. adding a player. Romeo but Langford and two first. Smart, I, here's the thing, right? Like smart is probably a little more, is more valuable to you than Fournier. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, depending on what Orlando wants and then also what money you can also use Tristan Thompson here as well. Um, I know we've also, we've discussed possibly uh, moving him separately to free up the money and potentially getting an extra draft pick, you know, for him. There's also discussions possibly of Aaron Gordon agreeing to sign an extension uh, prior to this trade. And he is interested in coming here, which I do like, right? I don't want anybody to be a hostage here. And I do want people that want to play here. You know, we've talked about this in the past, whether it was Kevin Love or, you know, other people, Aaron Gordon, by all accounts is, is interested in coming here, which I I do find interesting. So I'm okay with that. And you know what, especially if he was interested in signing a long-term deal as well, I don't hate this deal because I, I do think it gives you, at least it gives you a building block, right? So at that point, then you're, then you have your core of Brown, Tatum and Gordon, right? And then at that point, you can figure out, you can figure in the off season. So again, like you can use Evan Fournier's money, at least some of it, I'm guessing towards uh, somebody else in the off season. And then I would assume they probably need to find a somewhat of another home for Kemba Walker's salary. But at this point, like I'll, without like losing, without losing Brown and Tatum in this trade, I don't, I don't mind it. That's kind of where I'm at, right? Like, yeah, I just say keep it. It's just the exception. I think it's just kind of a waste when you're just renting one player and you're getting another one back. That's like average is 14 points a game. <laughs> like him alone is not enough. I don't think Aaron Gordon enough. Have you seen Evan Fournier's enough. numbers though this year? He's averaging like 20 points a game though. No, I know, but I'm saying in, in theory, you're only getting Aaron Gordon. You're going to waste your trade exception on essentially Aaron Gordon long-term who's averaging 14 points a game. If you could somehow convince me that both of them would stay, like yeah. both of them would sign, he also then, dropped. Then, he, also dropped th- he also dropped thirty-eight on the Nets though the, the other night. <laughs> Have you caught that? Yeah, but it's just not like if 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 both of them would stay, then then you'd have me listening. But like I'd rather I'd just save it. You're not gonna because you're not gonna be Brooklyn with these two anyways. So I want to just but save what, it. But what would better. you be Brooklyn with anyway though? And that's the problem. Well, exactly. So just throw. So keep the but, exception. But what do you? How are you gonna be Brooklyn better. next year though? Like I guess like make a splash. But who? Not every team is just ready to trade trade you a top ten player. You don't like, know. It's very small. Like we talked, you know, like before, like people are holding out hope for Giannis, but then he signed that, you know, that that the supermax or whatever the hell it was. Like you're not getting Giannis. You're not getting Anthony Davis. Like here, all right. Let me let me ask you a question. So who? Who would who would they be able to get that would make the Brooklyn series competitive? That's available or heard to be available. That could be available. I don't know. That like, that's my problem, Jeff. Like Trey Young. And so, all right, let's talk about the Hawks, right? So <laughs> maybe the, Haw- the Hawks were supposedly interested in Marcus Smart. Why? I have absolutely no idea. Take him. Um, I don't really 
I'm not really sure because we've talked about the Hawks many times. They have a significant – they have some good young players on that team. I'm really not sure why they're not better. But so the Hawks uh, reached out, apparently, interest in trading for, for Marcus Smart. And so, you know, the potential return could be John Collins we've talked at length about. Some people are concerned that this is – just to make sure this is not a fluke season for John Collins. And then um, the other being Bogdan Bogdanovich as well. So to your point, you mentioned Trey Young. And so I had heard before that, you know, as, as you know, Jalen Brown is, you know, from the Atlanta area, they would want to, to get Trey Young back. They want Jalen Brown. And now you mentioned, you know, if you were to get a, a haul, you know, if you were to get John Collins and Trey Young, and I don't know, you throw, I don't know if you, if you want Bogdan Bogdanovich, I'm sure they'd throw that in, but like, I might even want to, I don't know if it, if I want to pick from them back at that point, but yeah. I'll tell you what, like, I would not, I would not shut that down at all. I would definitely be open to trading Jalen Brown for John Collins, Trey Young and something else. Yeah. I mean, they're in fifth place. So I don't know why they do that, but. Yeah, I mean, weird spot, right? <laughs> give me, give me Collins. Who else is on this team? Yeah. That'd so I good. guess they they had rich, they were offering Collins and they wanted Jalen Brown, and then I think the Celtics said, "We want Trey Young," and then I think that's where there was like a pause. I don't think they'd be like, "No way, we got Trey." This is like fantasy land right now, but I don't blame yeah. them. I'm not going to trade Jalen Brown though for John Collins know. and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'm like. I want John Collins, Trey Young, and I don't know. I would take. I want. A, I want a first round pick back. What about Cam Reddish? See, like, there's a lot of like throw-in type, and I don't know, like. But you see, Bogdan's salary this year. How much is it? Eighteen mil. Jesus! Holy! So, <laughs> how did he get that? Good for him. You know, I. It's so some, hard to examine some like the NBA contracts really don't make sense, obviously, <laughs> and their contracts are outrageous on this team. Like Trey Young's making six. Well, it's like the same thing. Like like we just talked about, like Evan Fournier's contract in Orlando. Like it's hard to make sense of, you know, a lot. By the way, not a great year for Bogdanovich behind the three point arc either. Like I don't, no. I have, I don't. I have no interest in him personally. I just no, don't think that really, I don't really think that moves in. Like if they want to dump his salary, I, like if that's, I might be interested in that regard. If, it, but like, if that's the case, like I want, I want an extra pick back. Yeah. From them. No, so definitely. It is interesting though, to hear about, you know, teams that are interested in Marcus Smart or teams that, you know, that you can at least have these talks with. Yeah. And to me, it's not like, it sounds like they're having active talks mm-hmm. with Orlando and Atlanta. And then we've talked about some of their other flexibility, perhaps. Tristan Thompson, I assume, is as good as gone for a couple of reasons. And I would say probably three reasons. Uh, the first being is that they need to free up. They need to shorten the bench because I, I, you need to, Robert Williams has been absolutely fantastic. He's a and so legend. It needs to be Robert Williams and Daniel Tice, right? Mm-hmm. You, there's not enough room, unfortunately, for Tristan Thompson. 
right? The second being is you can free up you can free up some money if you end up having to make another tight a deal that comes down to, you know, 10 million or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the third being is you could all potentially use that. We talked about maybe getting like a late first round pick also, and then flipping that traffic. So I think there's three incentives, right. To trade Tristan Thompson. The only thing, and I heard this on the radio today, but his representation obviously carries a lot of weight around the league. And so the concern was that, this is a guy that wanted to come, you know, willingly came and signed here as a free agent and you don't want to alienate him or his representation. So they also, I don't think they would just dump him off on some crappy team. No, I'd or, like a contender or something. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like the Lakers could probably use him right now. Right. And I don't think obviously he'd be upset necessarily going there, but we, you know, Anthony Davis is out for at least another week or two. LeBron's out for at least a few weeks. They obviously have some issues out there, but anyway, I don't think you'd have a problem finding a home uh, for him, but there's a lot of things at play. And I think it's, it's only going to ramp up, you know, over the next, you know, 48 hours is what's left less than that. Right. Yeah. It'd be exciting. Andre young. Come on. I wouldn't get your hopes up for that. Everyone go check out the, go check the salary for that team. They're, they're in salary cap hell. It's fun. It's fun to look at. All right. All right, Jeff, Red Sox time. So the, as far as open matchups right now, I'm paying some closer attention to the bullpen in, you know, pitching in general. And I would say one of the surprising developments and fun story to watch has been uh, Kevin McCarthy. And no, he, he doesn't live here. Although it's, <laughs> it sounds like uh, this would be a, a, a local but uh, Kevin McCarthy's here on a he's a non-roster invitee, which means you're here on a you know minor league contract. He's 29 years old, and the guy is pitched lights out. And as of right now, it looks like, especially with um, your pal Ryan Brazier not being available right away, it looks like that McCarthy has played himself on to this roster, you know, potentially here as they as they break camp soon. Uh, he does have some. You know, major league. This isn't like a guy off the street. Does have some major league experience here. Uh, he's pitched in 33 major league games, uh, including just uh, last year. He pitched in seven games with the Royals. Um, he's a sinker baller, uh, but he hasn't allowed an earned run over his five innings. He struck out five, and he hasn't even walked a batter. So. I would, you know, again, we've talked about like originally how bleak we saw this, but surprisingly, some of this, this bullpen has actually come together fairly well recently. Um, any thoughts on Kevin McCarthy or any of the other guys kind of fighting for these last few spots, which are what Austin Bryce, Phillips Valdez and Colton Brewer. Um, so it's good to see. I mean, you always like to see those people out of training camp that kind of show up a little bit um i mean at this point i mean over the last what, three wait, we wanted what 2018 last like two years or so like the, the bullpen has just been atrocious so anything that can change i i'm i'm okay with um it's hard for me to put a, little, a lot of faith in this team right now just because you know the roster i see i, I know they're playing right now well in the grapefruit league but you know how long is that going to last um so we'll see 
So it looks like right now there it's it's pretty clear that it, Valdez and Brewer both have options. So I would say mm-hmm. they're just probably going to end up probably in the minors gonna. now. So it's probably going to be between McCarthy and Austin Bryce because Austin Bryce is out of options. So, you know, and of that group of four, McCarthy has clearly been the best pitcher. So to me, I, I, I don't see why he doesn't end up on this roster. I mean, he's major league experience. He's done everything that's been asked of him. You know, quite frankly, if you don't pick him, I would not be surprised if somebody else was interested. So, yeah, I think it'd be fun to have him on here. And overall, this the bullpen, I think, has been a little bit better than than we thought. Sawamura has actually pitched uh, pretty well lately. So, Which is good to see. Yeah, we're excited about that, certainly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I just want, you know, a new name to add into the mix. Maybe I, I know a lot of people – can't really get involved into spring training so that's why we're happy to bring it to you yep and some exciting news jeff there will be tickets available this week so on thursday at 10 a.m the red sox are going to announce single game tickets for april home games they'll be sold in pods of two or four and it's a limit of one pod per game um, for each fan. So if you're interested, they're going to run it kind of like the, I think the lottery, like they do for the green monster seats, I think is kind of how this is going to be set up. So I, I think that's fair because that's I, I think fair. a lot of, I think a lot of us thought that you had to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, especially because the Red Sox uh, per our friend, Charlie Baker are going to have the lowest attendance in the entire league, even behind California and New York for whatever reason. Uh, but it seems like at least the team is, going to allow, you know, equal opportunity to, for people to get involved in this. And I'm sure that, you know, even if you're not, you know, stoked about the team, I, it might be fun to get back after not being able to see any type of sporting event. And, you know, now over a year, uh, it might be fun, especially it doesn't look like they're messing with the tickets necessarily either the prices. And so it might be a nice day to get outside and some get back some normalcy here. <laughs> Oh, 100%. So, like, I was really down on this. I said, you'd have to pay me to go to a Red Sox game. Um, but after just all this COVID nonsense, like, <laughs> I went to the park today with Vivian, and it was awesome. And <laughs> um, for everyone that doesn't know, I'm 31, so I couldn't enjoy the park. But it was just the fact of being outside and, like, public again that was great. So, obviously, a Red Sox game would be just as I'd good. So for- Yeah, like, I'd pay 40 bucks to go to Fenway right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Right. All right. So that's some cool news there. Uh, Let's see here. All right. Patriots, Jeff. So there were some transactions today. The Patriots waived Justin Ruhrwasser. So there's your fifth round kicker who never played at all. Uh, They also released a couple other people. Who is it? uh, Cash Malua. I always forget how to pronounce it. Is Maluia? Yeah, I was sad about that one. That Yeah. And I wonder if there's maybe potential. I don't know if that's some roster engineer. I don't know if they have their mind on someone in particular, but that's somebody that has come and gone a few times, you know, over the last yeah. year. That's and then the other speed. was, was Michael Pinckney. Is that, that, I think that was the guy that was suspended for. He was the one that heads or something. December. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so see ya. But, um, Bye. you know, the, the roar Wasser conclusion here is kind of, I think where we saw this going and I know Bill's going to catch some heat for that. Certainly, you know, the, the fifth round pick that, could not even sniff the field. 
And not to mention that they still have Roberto Aguayo under contract, which tells you that Justin Rohrwasser must be absolutely atrocious. Atrocious. You know, and we this came up again, I think, on Saturday, right? And we talked about, you know, like you could have drafted Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, over him who had a pretty good year with the Colts. So, so this is a big time miss. And when you take a kicker, you better, you know, obviously it wasn't as bad as the Bucks taking Roberto Aguayo, no. but um, you really can't miss. So pardon the pun, but when you're, you know, when you're taking a, a kicker and I would say it's five or above, right. It, you don't yeah. like, that's kind of the, and again, it's a fit like, but for, I think that's probably the cutoff, right. For taking a kicker. Cause like, I don't, nobody would, no one would care at six, you know, the sixth or seventh round, but I think it's that number, right. For some reason, oh, five, terrible. I think five was the magic number here. Oh, God, it's not that it's gross. Not, I think the fact that with him, right, we didn't even see him. Like there wasn't even like a game, right? I think that was, I think probably the most troubling part of this because we didn't even get to see him fail. Right. So that's the biggest thing. So he must have been really bad. I think the, the thing that really bothered me the most is you just look. So it's non kickers, obviously. Well, one of them is, but like you see the people that were drafted after him. Like I think two picks after him was uh, Tyler Johnson, the the up and coming receiver uh, for the Bucks. Oh no, got some speed. Oh, uh, no. John Hightower for the Eagles, which showed a little bit of promise. I mean, more than Roe Wasser because he actually got on the field. Um, the 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 Bills kicker Bass was picked in the next round, early in the next round. Like so, there's like Tyler Bass. Um, so that if you go through the fifth round of that Tyler draft, Bass had that sick uh, onside kick that we saw, right? Remember <laughs> he did have a good onside kick. And there's like there's probably people I forgot, but like, I mean, Tyler Johnson to me was probably the best out of this bunch that I could find. Like, I I, I look for players close to the War Wasser pick. I mean, there's a couple of people that had kind of good years, but uh, I mean, I'd rather have Tyler Johnson than Justin Warwasser. I can tell you that. I mean, I would obviously have literally anyone that was drafted after Justin Warwasser since he didn't even compete right. in the game for but me, like, right? He like, showed some actual like, <laughs> promise, like a number three receiver, like actually contributed last year. Like, I mean, even the Patriots. Well, even the Patriots drafted Mike Unwenu after Justin Warwasser, just right. for, for context. There, right? <laughs> yeah, like uh, you're right, and it it, it hurts, and it hurts you know, real bad. especially in hindsight, again, like you're going to injure yourself if you start looking at at pick if you start want to look looking through these picks i didn't go any farther than like mid sixth round because i was having a panic attack so i just decided i stopped cash malui was drafted at after war so by yeah. the way but <laughs> since we're talking about about him but like it is what it is i i think you and i were both pleased with with the folk with contracting obviously coming back but then you know the, the money of it was like 1.25 or something Pennies. something that doesn't really you know move the needle for it so i think it's it's fine like it, at least you have somebody that's that's competent right and then if you think that you have some sort of magician or somebody to work with a guayo or whatever i don't mind them working that out either potentially and you know i, I again I've, I've talked about a guayo for probably more than I should have just because like I, I was I'm, I'm surprised. I, I just, I've seen, he's one of the most talented kickers I've ever seen in college. And I truly think that this is mental and like, you know, I don't know if, you know, 
I, I, I jokingly said, like, can you get like a, you know, a hypnotherapist, but uh, you know, I, I'm half serious too. Like I, I would very much like to see a guy that has that type of leg talent to be able to figure it out. And so obviously like, you know, folk, you don't know how much you're going to get out of them. So, you know, it's good. I know it's not a position that you think of like quarterback where you need to have a, you know, guy ready to go, but we've seen how, you know, negatively, like, a kicker can affect a team. And if you don't have another option, like, you know, we've seen some teams go through what, like four kickers in a season. Yeah. Right. And so like you're, you, you could have a, a borderline playoff team. And if you don't, if you don't have a kicker that's even remotely reliable, you know, that can destroy your entire season. Oh yeah. It's way more important than people think. So, I mean, poor Raw. Sorry, I mean, he came in bad terms, like the the one percent tattoo, and then never made the field. So, three percent. I hope he gets another shot somewhere else. Is it? What did I say? He said one three percent. Three percent. The three percent tattoo. And yeah, I did, things that, didn't start off on the right foot there. Like, and not his and fault. Like, and then he couldn't he, kick. <laughs> that you know, and ultimately, that's whatever everyone's going to remember the fact that Bill took a fifth round pick on a kicker that never played at all. That and that's what we're going to remember. Not the best draft. No. All right. So James White, I think people have been asking some questions as to what is going on with him. I do find this very telling. And I think you and I talked a little bit about this before. And to me, you know, with, with the lack of money being spent, especially on running backs in general, and nobody really has money to spend. I've, you know, to me, it seems like James White w- wants to move maybe closer to home. And, you know, the rumors are flying around that maybe he could be a fit in Tampa, especially if Leonard Fournette doesn't return. And I think that maybe that's exactly what's happening right now is James White's kind of just waiting and see. It's a very slow market at running back. Uh, I think Mike Davis signed with the Falcons today. But other than he that, there's really not much going on at all. And so, but to me, like if, if James White wanted to be here, and I'm sure Bill – loves James White, at least from all accounts here. It sounds like he may be interested in, I don't know, other than Tampa, I don't know if, if there's anywhere else that he wants. You know, I don't know if you want, I'm sure maybe Jacksonville, if he want, I don't know why he would want to play it, unless it's specifically to be around, you know, his, his family, obviously at a very tumultuous season personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly get that, but we've also started to look around at other potential people a name I've thrown out in who I think it might even be a slight improvement uh, is Duke Johnson, who I'm a huge fan of. I think Duke Johnson is, you know, arguably one of the best pass catching running backs in the entire league. So although, you know, James White has been fantastic here, that is a position that Bill has repeatedly been able to replenish mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. Yeah. Right. Like third down back has not been a problem here. And they have brought in literally people off the street to fill that role, including midgets or little people. I think is the proper <laughs> term. I apologize. I don't mean to right offend now anyone. We're canceled. But no, literally, like we you brought like a Division two Heisman, uh, you know, whatever the hell they call that thing that Danny uh, Woodhead, that Danny Woodhead won. State. Yeah, I forgot what they hell call that award. But yeah, like I'm not worried about that. Bill won't be able to find a third down back or a pass catching back. Now, I think the problem in particular here, Rex Burkhead. We have no idea, you know, that, that knee injury was later in the year. I don't, I don't even know if he's gonna be ready. I don't know if he'll be back. I have no idea. Right. So you look at the roster and there is a hole at present, right. Without white 
and Burkhead. Like your yep. best pass catcher is probably what like I Brandon don't even think is Brandon Bolden, who I also I think maybe up. Not that that's a problem, but you're you're 100 correct because you don't <laughs> think of Damian Harris and Sony Michelle as pass catchers. So, what are your thoughts on his situation, and then you know a possible replacement? Because obviously they need to look externally for somebody else because there's not someone on the roster. So James White. So there's two things. So obviously. Uh, great player here obviously he's taking some kind of discounts and he probably could have made a little bit more money in the open market than he's taken he's like one of the few players that if he leaves like i'm okay with like i want him to succeed kind of thing most players they just do it for the money it kind of pisses me off even though i shouldn't be like lawrence guy and james white those two people like go get your money James White, I get being want to be close to his family. So as much as I'd love to have him back here, I, I'd get it if he went. I mean, if he ends up in California, I might be a little pissed. But like, if he ends up somewhere in Florida, um, I'm cool with that. Um, they need someone. I mean, I, besides dude Johnson, like, I don't, I don't know who you'd have out there. Like, you want like there's, a Todd Gurley? So no, he's got but, no but, knees. But but there's there's uh, Todd Gurley's toast, and we, I think we've talked about he's that. Done, we lo- we like, talked. We actually dedicated a segment to Todd mm-hmm. Gurley when he lost his starting job. There's a, there are way more than you think and the amount of money is short. So let me give you, let me give you a number first. Okay. The average annual value of running back contracts signed in this off season is only $2.57 million. Okay. Nice. Uh, I'm going to read off a bunch of running backs and you can tell me if there's some here and I can repeat some if you need me to, but at least for one year to like, if you needed to fill, just for like this stop, coming yeah. season, there's okay. plenty, right? So you meant you mentioned Todd Gurley, who might is probably an improvement over the two you have. Um, bar- I don't barely, but um, and then obviously Duke Johnson, but uh, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, Damian Williams, Brian Hill, Leonard Fournette, T.J. Yeldon, Dion Lewis, Chris Thompson, Jarek McKinnon, Lashawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson. Frank Gore, Alfred Morris, Tyler Irvin, Amir Abdullah, DeAndre Washington, Levian Bell, Kenyon Barner, Corey Clement, Kalen Balaj, James Connor, uh, Deontay Foreman, Wayne Gallman. Um, I'll kind of stop there. That's a lot. Jeez. That is a lot of players. That's a lot of players. I mean, obviously, so I don't know if like Connor would be a night. So that would be a good one to punch with. Connor, I feel like Connor's a little redundant with your other two. That's my only like that's three guys that could care like could potentially carry more than mm. a lo- you know. I that's my only problem, right? Like to me, I'll, I'll give you one is Chris Thompson. Now I know like last year was a little bit, wasn't it wasn't like the year before he had in Washington, which is you know absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um. By the way, he's a little older than you may think. He's thirty one. Is he really already? Yeah. Um, another one that would intrigue me. Just get, I like the speed, athletic element of that position. The the your you know the third down back, mm-hmm. Jarek McKinnon, who obviously has had some injury issues, but mm-hmm. is an absolute freak. You know, athletically. Uh, Damian Williams, obviously another one. Um, Matt Breida, another athlete type. You know that. Leonard Fournette is interesting because there were rumors that they had made a phone, you know, 
I wouldn't put anything past Bill, especially if that market is as suppressed as we've seen monetarily. Yeah. Now, obviously, like they've spent a lot of money and it's, you know, the cap is probably going to be down around 10 million in the next few days once they finish. Uh, if you ever check out Miguel, he's he runs that Pat's uh, cap uh, Twitter feed. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I believe he has them at around 12, something right now, but that was without Raekwon McMillan and uh, one other small one. But I, I think they're going to be around 10 million or so probably in the next few days, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. which doesn't preclude you from signing probably most of these people just because I, I, I'm not even sure anybody we've talked about the, again, the, the COVID and the con, like, I don't know if anybody wants to give Leonard Fournette three years, you know, like no, no, no one wants to give, like their wide receivers are having difficulty. Like other, yeah, than, a lot of these other than players, other than Kenny Galladay, like who really got paid? No one, right? Not <laughs> like, really, to be honest. So the, yeah, I mean everything you mentioned. I, this is going to sound probably way out of left field, and maybe I'm hitching my wagons. But I'm wondering if they just give the job to. I mean, you, sh- you should probably sign one of these players just to see. Like, what about like JJ Taylor? That'd be interesting. So I, I know he was hurt, I'll but be, like. I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen enough J.J. Taylor to know if he can. Now, let me, hold on. Let me just stop you one second, right? Sorry for that curveball, but no, I no, just no. popped my head. Because like, we we just missed the fact that he's he's on the team. So I, I apologize to J.J. Taylor. And I actually do like the way he runs. Now, I don't want to be that guy. But at his size, can he pass block adequately is my concern. That's my, that's my problem. He looks smaller than like, he's small. Like, so (laughs) again, like I, I also, I haven't seen enough of him past catching either, but I, the, the the thing obviously that comes to mind is can he pass block? Mm. Is he physically even capable of that? In theory too, because you only have Harris. I mean, I don't really consider Bolden a a running back. So I'm just going to exclude him for this conversation. But in theory, you could keep, you could see if JJ Taylor can do it, but you can sign someone from this list to do it this year and sure. kind of just see if Taylor, like, put him in on spots. So, yeah, yeah, I would sign one of these. And again, I'm not even like some of these guys, I'm not telling you definitive if they can, if they're even capable of pass blocking, but I can tell you at, le- at the very least, they're athletes that can catch the ball. I don't want LaShawn McCoy. You know, Duke Johnson does. Duke Johnson, I think, is the best third down back available, other than maybe Leonard Fournette. For obvious reasons, but though you know, if well, just because Leonard Fournette's a more rounded, right? Like Duke Johnson is. Duke Johnson's obviously not known as a inside the tackle runner, right? But Duke Johnson does does pass block, and I I really think he's an excellent pass catcher. So, but there, you know, I don't think people aren't lining up for any of these fifteen people that I just rattled off to you. It's weird. So. Really, there shouldn't be much to preclude you from signing somebody that is halfway competent if James White is elsewhere. Yeah, I just hope he stays. Stay James White, please. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. Uh, any final notes? Any thoughts? No. Just can't wait to look forward to see people Saturday. So that's that's it. All right. So this Saturday, we'll do a, a live sports Saturday on Facebook Live. Um, we'll set up an uh, official event on Facebook in the next few days. So check it out. It's an open agenda. Pretty much I'd be happy to talk about any sports topic that you want to. It's always a fun time. Laughs, 
yelling. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. Cam Newton. Definitely stop by and hang out with us. Jeff, thanks for being with me as usual. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to us. We really appreciate you. Take it easy. Wouldn't you like to get away?